The following audio is from LifePoint Church, located in O'Fallon, Missouri. For more information about LifePoint Church, visit us online at thelifepointconnection.com. Uh, it is, it is, it's a privilege of mine. Uh, typically, if you come into LifePoint, you'll probably uh, see my face maybe 45, 50 times throughout the year. Uh, but today, uh, I just want to tell you that, that it's, it's our heart as the church uh, not to necessarily uh, just uh, cling to a voice or a personality, but rather cling to the gospel. Amen. So uh, it, it's a privilege of mine to introduce to you Bill Cow. Bill, come on up here t- this morning. Come on, give it up for him. (laughs) Thank you. Bill has been with us almost since since the beginning. Uh, he came uh, in December of 2011, uh, and he has been going through uh, the eldership process with us starting in January, and that's going to be going through all year. Uh, and so Bill is going to be bringing the word uh, to you today and just uh, just empowered. I know one thing that I know about this guy is that he loves Jesus. Amen. I mean, if you know him, like he loves Jesus, and he loves this church, and he loves you and I am in full confidence that he is going uh, to challenge our hearts today. So before you get started, let me pray for you uh, and we'll do that. Jesus, I thank you for my brother Bill. I thank you that uh, your word uh, permeates all of our hearts. And Lord, today I pray for your Holy Spirit empowerment upon him. I pray that you will continue to speak through him and that you'll speak to our hearts. And Lord, that it will not be his words that we hear, but your words today, Jesus. Uh, Lord, penetrate our hearts. Be filled in this room in in our presence today. And use Bill mightily in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and grab them. If you need one, raise your hand on up. We've got some coming around. Uh, and Bill's going to lead us. Thanks, Bill. And I want you to grab your Bible and turn with me to John chapter 10. You know, Eric's been doing this Matter of the Heart series. And I think it's been an excellent series. Wouldn't you agree? I think this has been really good. And a lot of things that come up out of this series, things that have challenged my heart and our hearts, things that keep us from connecting with the heart of God. I think of the whole concept of pride, thinking we're something that we're really not. I remember him talking about idols in our life, things that prevent us from connecting once again with the heart of God. But what I want to do is to have a step back for just a few minutes here. And I want us to see the big picture. The big picture is this, is that God wants us not just to connect with him, with our hearts on a Sunday morning, but God wants us to live the entirety of our lives from our heart and not just our head. Learning to live from our heart is central to all of life. And I think for the most part, most of us miss that concept because we're in a Western culture. We're educated through the Greek system of learning. We read the book. We regurgitate what we read. We get the certificate. We know it all here. Our hearts are rarely engaged in the process. And God, because He created us with a heart as well as a mind, we don't really know what it means to live life from our heart. St. Irenaeus, who lived uh, 200 years after Jesus Christ came and went, he said this, he said, the glory of God is man fully alive. The glory of God is man fully alive. Now, when was the last time you felt fully alive? Yesterday? Last week? last year? Maybe you never have felt fully alive. And maybe part of it is because we haven't really engaged our heart in the whole of life. 
Turn to John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus himself said this. He said, uh, he said the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and they might have it abundantly, overflowingly, more than enough. You see, the devil has done a good job from his perspective on my heart. Part of my heart has been stolen. Part of my heart has been killed off. Part of my heart has been damaged and destroyed. I'm a broken person on the inside. And yet Jesus said, this is the very reason that I came, was to give you life and to give it abundantly. So when Jesus Christ came and died on the cross, and when Jesus Christ comes into my heart, into my life, He gives me a new heart. And His desire, as well as my heart's longing, is to live from my heart, to live an abundant life. To live life to its fullest. The glory of God is man fully alive. I want us to embrace that this morning. I'm going to pray one more time and I just ask you to pray with me. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for, for who you are, for what you've done, for what you're doing, God, even in my own heart and life. Lord, I thank you for that. Lord, I, I, uh, I just ask God, even this morning, Lord, as I speak... Would your Holy Spirit connect with the words that I have to share? And, and as it lands on the ears of those listening, God, I, I pray that you, Lord Jesus, would speak. hundred different people, a hundred different hearts, a hundred different places in life. But Lord, you know what each of us really needs to hear. And Lord, I, I just want to open up my own heart and say, God, speak to me this morning. Help me to know more of what it means to live from my heart. And I thank you, Lord, that, that you're willing, as God himself, you're willing to engage your heart with mine. Give me the courage, Lord, to engage my heart with yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I grew up in church. Uh, I think Eric used the phrase at one point, uh, I was born in a pew. Literally not born in a pew. I've known people who were born on the highway. My wife was, by the way. I was not born in a pew, but I feel like I was. Uh, my parents uh, took me to church when I was two weeks old. They dedicated me, and uh, I have been going to church ever since. But that does not mean that I have been a Christian all my life. I have not. I've learned what it means to act like a Christian. I've learned what it means to talk like a Christian, to do Christian things, to look Christianly. I got it down. But I didn't have Jesus. And after many years, there was a point in time where my heart began to get engaged with this thing called the gospel. And the truth of Jesus Christ began to go from my head to my heart. Radically changed my life. Radically changed my life. But one of the greatest battles that I face on a daily basis as a Christian is the battle between living from the mind versus living from the heart. And I face this almost on a daily basis. I call it the great divide. You know the longest distance in the world is not the 25,000 miles around the earth's circumference. It's not the distance to moon. It's not the distance to Mars. The longest distance in the world is the 18 inches between my head 
in my heart. And after 50 some odd years, I'm still not there. I'm on this journey of God bringing truth from my head, the things I know to who I am in my heart. You see, the mind is the center of reason. And what it does, it it processes data. For example, water freezes at 32 degrees Fahrenheit. Water boils at 212 degrees Fahrenheit. The travel of sound, its speed is 768 miles an hour. Abraham Lincoln, how many of you guys saw the movie Lincoln? Some of you did. It was a really good movie. Uh, If you have a chance, even on Redbox, take a look at it. It's good stuff. Abraham Lincoln was our 16th president. I know that because my mind tells me that's true. But the heart is the very center of our being. It's what wrestles with reality. As a dad, you get a phone call. says your son is missing in action. What happens? Your heart's engaged. Your dad, you're laying home at night. The fact is that you know it's 2 in the morning. Your daughter's car is not in the driveway, and she's not home. That's, that's simply the facts. But what your heart wrestles with is whether this is a cause for concern or not. People who live detached from their hearts often live in this realm of data and facts in the mind. They're amazed at the way that so many others are just so given over to life. They're affected by life. And almost where we kind of look at some people and judge them as emotionally unstable. (laughs) Just need to stay away from those kind of people. Those people. These people are physically present. But so is your computer. What good does that really do? You see, God created us with the heart as well. God never intended us to live with the mind alone. God intended that we engage our heart in all of life. And the heart is literally the center of our entire life. Let me show you the importance of the heart. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 4. If you take your Bible and you open up in the exact center, the Bible, you come to the book of Psalms, and you go one book over and you hit the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Now, the guy who's writing this was was the guy by the name of King Solomon. And King Solomon, according to the Bible, was the wisest man that ever lived. The Bible tells us that's true. God gave him an extra measure of wisdom so that he could lead God's people. There has never been a wiser man than King Solomon. So, when King Solomon speaks, we need to listen up. We need to pay attention to what he says because there's a lot of truth in King Solomon's words. And what he says is this. He says, keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flow the springs of life. For from it flow the springs of life. The New American Standard says, watch over your heart with all diligence. It's the same concept. The the Hebrew word for vigilance is that of a guard keeping a prisoner locked in a cell. Now you got to understand, it was a lot different back then, because if you were guarding someone in a jail cell, and for some reason, hook or crook, you were to escape, 
your head would be cut off. You'd die. It's just as simple as that. Now, that's pretty serious stuff. I don't know a job today where you actually lose your head if you screw up on your job. They did here. But it was that serious. And what Solomon is saying is, guys, it's this serious. You need to watch over, guard your heart with all vigilance. Why? Because it's the very springs of our life. They're at stake. The heart is important because it determines every aspect of our life. What job we do. What people we love. Our attitudes. And even our joy. Or the lack of it in our life. So we need to ask ourselves a question this morning. How well am I guarding my heart? Is keeping your heart one of your primary concerns? The Bible tells us it should be. You see, the real issues in life are really matters of the heart. The rest of it is just stuff. The real issues of life are all matters of the heart. You see, the heart is addressed more than any other topic in the whole Bible. You look at worship. You look at giving. You look at service. I don't care what word you pick. The the concept of the heart is mentioned over 750 times from Genesis to Revelation. The heart is central to this book we call the Bible. So maybe God knows something that we've forgotten. Let's take a look at a few verses that I've kind of gleaned from the Old Testament, New Testament, both. As a matter of fact, not too long ago, I printed out every verse in the entire New Testament that had the word heart in it. And you would be surprised what we can learn as we put those verses together. What God has to say about the human heart is huge. And I've been a Christian for a long, long time. And I was amazed at what God tells us about the heart. Let's take a look at the first verse here. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. God himself said this. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Now notice which word comes first. What is it? Heart. God himself is saying you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart first. And then your soul. And then your might. What what is our might? The might is the things that we humanly put into this thing we try to call love. It's my service to God. It's doing the right thing. Saying the right thing. Being at the right place. Giving the right amount of money. Whatever it is. That's that's my effort I expend. And, And God doesn't look down on that. But what he says first and foremost, guys, with your heart Love the Lord your God with all your heart first. First. You see, for too long, far too long, the church has made behavior the point of Christianity. We try to manage people's actions to have them act like Christians. How dumb is that? I mean, really, American churchianity has characteristically been more about reproving and correcting and modeling right behavior than about caring to or tending to the needs of the heart. Here's a novel thought. What if Jesus came into my heart? What if, what if Jesus breathed new life here? 
gosh, maybe my arms and my legs and my tongue would follow. Maybe my life would change. Maybe I would do differently. As a fruit, a result of Christ in me. And not because I'm having to try to live to some standard. You see, we've made it about appearance and performance. And Jesus tells us it's always been about the heart. It's always been about the heart. Let's look at the next verse. Uh, The prophet Samuel, at this point, was uh, looking for the new king of Israel. Saul was a very tall, very hunky, good-looking guy. But he really screwed up in leading Israel. And so God was going to bring someone of his choosing to lead Israel. And so Samuel was sent to the house of Jesse. Jesse brought all his sons there. And he's looking through and didn't see anybody, didn't have any feelings. God wasn't speaking to him. He says, do you have any other sons? Well, we got this one little kid. He's out tending the sheep. He says, bring him in. And so David comes in. And God whispers in Samuel's ear. You see, David wasn't like Saul. David was short. He was stocky. The Bible calls him ruddy in complexion. Not what you'd imagine a king to be. But this is what God whispered in Samuel's ear. He says, Samuel, do not look at his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I've rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. God looks at the heart. You see, God knew what was in David's heart. David was to be the next king of Israel. Good. So when we come to church on a Sunday morning, we look at each other. We say, hey, how are you doing? Hey, nice outfit you got there. Your shirt and your pants fit and your socks match most of the time. Uh, your hair's done really well. That's why I got my cut short. I don't have to worry about doing my hair. I just kind of uh, wake up and go. But how many of us spend so many hours of our week going to the gym, buying clothes to look good, taking care of our nails, doing our hair, putting on our makeup, smelling good, getting the stuff washed off and putting on smelly? You know, and we come on Sunday morning, hey, how are you? Great, how are you? The question is this how much time did you spend preparing your heart this morning before you came? Just a question. Let's look at the next verse. King Solomon, once again. Pay attention. King Solomon speaking here. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. See, this is one of the very first verses my dad had me memorize. And you know why? Because this was my internal struggle. I'm a type A person. At least I have been most of my life. God's kind of been in the paperback for me. But I've been a type A person. I will get it done. And if I have to work all night, I will work all night. And I have worked all night before. If that didn't work, I'd have plan B and a plan C. I can do this. But what this verse tells us is this. He says, don't lean on your own understanding, Bill. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Can can I believe that God is really good and that God is for me and that God will work things out in the end? No. My tendency as a type A human being is to figure out if I can't do it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get it done. 
This goes against the very grain of my, my being, is to trust God. And you know what? I don't think I'm alone. I think a lot of us have a hard time trying to trust God in these serious areas of life. And we lean on our own understanding. If it doesn't make sense to me, I can't do it. But how much of the Bible was written and God asked people to do things that didn't make sense? And God just shows up. So look at the next verse here. Jesus said this in Matthew 15, verse 8. And he was actually talking to some Pharisees and uh, Sadducees and scribes at this point. And he actually quotes Isaiah. He says this. He says, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away. You know, Matt, you do a really good job up here. You do, and I appreciate that, brother. You put in a lot of time. The whole worship team, man, I come in and I'm just able to worship. They literally lead me in worship, which is what they're supposed to do. But the more I've gotten to know Matt on a one-to-one basis here, the more I realize that that's really the desire of his heart. It's not a performance. This isn't what he does on Sunday morning. It's who he is. And he has a passion to connect with God and to connect others with God. And it begins to show on a Sunday morning. And it blesses my heart, brother. Thank you for your work. But there have been times in my life where I go into a church service and I sing the songs because I'm supposed to. Because everybody around is singing and I don't want to look weird. I mouth the words. I've sung the song so many times. My brain doesn't engage, much less my heart. I say the right things to the right people. But you know, my heart isn't engaged. It's far from God. I'm, I'm saying something with my lips, but my heart, my heart is far away. And that happens all of us occasionally, doesn't it? But if we have too much of that, this relationship that we have with God devolves into something we call religion. I want to talk to us a minute about behavior and theology. I've defined religion as this. Religion is looking the part without engaging the heart. I didn't mean to be a poet, but it just kind of came out that way. And I think it's true. Because you know what, guys? I lived the first 20 years of my life like that. I looked apart, but I did not engage my heart. I did the right things, said the right things, went to the right things, acted right, all that kind of stuff. But my heart was far from God. And you see, when the heart is removed from our theology, then what happens is that we get a book, a handbook of doctrines, and a set of principles for right living that kind of helps us get what we want to get in life. We remove the person of God from these very pages. And that's what I had for many years. Principle-centered living. Guys, I knew the book of Proverbs. I have read Proverbs over and over and over again. Over and over again. I'm a master of the principles of the Word of God. I, I know that. I, had, I came up with 
what I call now my vending machine theology. I take my quarter, I put it in, I punch the button, I know what, know what kind of soda comes out. And if something screws up in my life, I go back to the board. Let's figure out. Ah, uh, okay, that's a principle I missed. I need to do this principle. Things will work right again. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. But what I did in effect is remove God and this relationship that Christ died for. I take it completely out of the picture. I begin to live this principle-centered life and hold to this vending machine theology. And I completely ignore the passionate heart that God has for me. Guys, the Bible is not a guidebook for living. The Bible is a God-breathed book and written to involve us personally and passionately with the heart of God. And if we don't find Him here, we miss the whole purpose. We miss the whole purpose. God is wanting an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I almost hate using that that phrase because it seems like it's been used so much before. But if you have not heard God speak to your heart, if you've not had your heart beat faster as you get into this book, if you've not had your life changed by Jesus Christ, you're missing something. It's the very purpose Christ came, was to redeem us and to rescue our hearts. Until we learn to live life with a heart fully engaged with God and with other people, then Christianity will just degenerate into plain church and we sink into the abyss of religion. People do it. And because churches are made up of people, there are churches that do that too. You see, genuine Christianity has never been about the behavior. Behavior is simply symptomatic of the heart. And Jesus himself was all about the heart. He was all about the heart. It's always been about inner health and the condition of our heart. You see, Jesus didn't come to change our behavior. What he came to do is to rescue my heart with his love. I'm just coming to the point where I'm beginning to understand the deep, deep love that God has for me as a broken, screwed up human being. And it's very humbling, let me tell you that. But as we get into the scriptures, we begin to see the heart of God to me for who I am. I deserve none of this. And that's the point. God loves me regardless. And if I can begin to believe that, not just with my head, but with my heart, my life changes. It's transformed. Change the heart. The behavior follows. And here's the good news. We don't have to act like Christians anymore. We don't. We let God do what God does best. So what is the heart? I've struggled with that. Is it the mind, the will, and the emotions? Certainly it's not the physical me you see up here. Is it my soul, my spirit? Charles Ryrie, who is the editor of the Ryrie Study Bible, said this. He said, the heart is considered the very center and core of our life. The heart is the deep center of our life. It's the innermost part of our human personality. The center of those qualities that make us human. The heart is who we are. It's the real self. When I fell in love with my wife years ago, I told her then, I told her this now. (laughs) What I fell in love with 
what I fell in love with was the mouse that turns her wheel. So you have a hamster, you put the cover over him at night, you go to bed, and you hear this squeaking sound. You lift up the little cover to see what's under there, and there's a hamster going 90 miles an hour, turning the wheel. It's like you saw something that most people don't see. I was able to see part of my wife's heart that helped me fall in love with her. Oswald Chambers says that the use of the Bible term heart is best understood by simply saying me. It takes us back from all the psychological, scientific, and theological dissection we've been given to by our modern culture. Let's try to figure this out. He says he gives us back a whole self. Me. My heart is me. It's not what I wear. It's not how I play. It's not how I talk. It's who I am. My heart is me. You see, we, God didn't make us to be human doings. God make us, made us human beings. And I kind of scoffed at that for many years because I was a doer. I thought, you're dissing what I do. But the reality is that God made me a human being. And the fact that that even needs to be talked about only goes to show us how far we've come from the life that we were meant to live. You see, from God's perspective, it's all about engaging the heart. Everything else is directly affected when we live life with an engaged heart. But the reason we don't is because our heart has been hurt. People have hurt us. We feel like God has hurt us. And so we start putting up walls and barriers and we self-protect to the point where we don't live out of our heart. We don't even know our heart, much less have learned to live out of it. That wasn't me. Maybe God's saying, pay attention to this. This is very important. You see, God is more concerned about our hearts than He is about the job that we have, about the person that we marry, about the stuff that we own or don't own. Think about it. God is more concerned with our hearts than any of this stuff. All we have when we die is our relationship with or without God in our family. I want you to look at this verse out of Ecclesiastes chapter 5. As he came from his mother's womb, so shall he go again, naked as he came. And he shall take nothing for his toil that he may be carried away in his hand. He shall take nothing from his toil. that I, I can't take anything with me. We're born buck naked. Dottie is here this morning. And I want you to meet her after we're done. Now, she has some clothes on this time. But when I was at the hospital and she was born, she was not clothed. She was naked and she was crying. Often at the end of our life, we die naked and we die crying. And we can take nothing that we've earned, that we've gotten, that we've been awarded. Nothing can we take with us from the fruit of my hand, from the fruit of my labors, from my achievements. I take nothing with me. You know, I've seen a number of people die in my life. Some were easy. A number of them were very difficult. But not one person has ever said, you know, if you just pull that last red car I bought out there on the street, I want to see it one more time. Nobody ever said, Bill, I want you to pull out my Edward Jones account and let's just look over it one more time. Nobody has ever said that. What they said is, is, is where's my wife, my kids? And they've talked about God. 
Let's get a hold of this early. Let's not wait till we die to begin dealing with what we missed. God wants us to learn to fully engage here and now. The Bible sees our heart as the source of all creativity and courage. It's the source of our faith, of our convictions, and our hope. This is the very source of our life within us. Look back here at Proverbs chapter 4. Verse 23, he says, keep your heart. Why? Because from it flow the springs of life. The very passions of life spring from your heart. That's why we do it. Like a guard guarding a prisoner so it doesn't get stolen, so it doesn't get broken, so it doesn't get damaged. Guard your heart because all of life flows from our hearts, the springs of life. Let me give you some examples of how all parts of our life flows from our heart. Think about your work for a second. Why are so many people at work bored and disinterested? Why do they dread Monday? <laughs> and thank God it's Friday. It's because they've lost heart in their work. The same is true with love. Why do so many relationships fail? Divorce rate is incredibly high today. They fail because one or both people lost heart to make it work. Why do so many of these people struggle with, with depression and discouragement? Often because they look around them, the circumstances seem overwhelming and they just lose heart. Here in the United States, why is there such a struggle for people to break free of their addictions. You see, addictions simply is a medication to numb our hearts and the pain that we feel. That's what an addiction does. It numbs our hearts so we don't feel anymore. Life gets too unbearable and we head to something that will numb the pain. Could be alcohol. Could be drugs. Could be sex. Could be pornography. It could be overeating. I don't care what it looks like. The point is that we do it because it numbs the pain in our hearts. Somewhere along the way, in a moment of carelessness or desperation, we gave our hearts away to something that would numb the pain, and now we're having a hard time getting it back. Again, our hearts, our hearts are the most important thing about us. It is the center of all things. Do you know why God placed our heart in our chest? Because it's the center of our life. Look at any significant relationship you have. Is not your heart engaged at least to some degree there? And what would happen if you took the heart away? It'd simply be an acquaintance, wouldn't it? Somebody you just kind of casually know. The same thing is true with God. Our heart is the center part of our relationship with God. You remove the heart, and what do we really have? Without our heart, who am I? Again, our hearts are the most important thing about us. As long as we're talking about our hearts here, let me address the idea of emotions. Guys have get real squeamish when you talk about emotions. Um... Emotions are the voice of the heart. Emotions are not the heart, but they're the voice of it. Emotions 
express the deeper movements of the heart. It's taken me a long time to figure this out. If you know my wife, she's, uh, she's very emotional. And not in a bad way, in a good way. She's very in touch with her emotions. She'd ask me sometimes, well, Bill, how do you feel about that? Uh, let me think about it. What do you mean, think about it? I don't know how I feel. And this went on for years, and it caused some stuff in our marriage. And so eventually I got a hold of a, an emotions sheet. And so when she'd ask me how I felt, I had to go to my little emotion sheet. Don't laugh, guys. This is real. I'm bearing my heart here. My heart here. So I had to look on the sheet and figure out, okay, what do I feel? I feel like this and like this and like this. Wow. I didn't know I had those feelings. What's it feel like to feel like that? I don't know what it feels like to feel like that. Go back to the sheet. And you know that little process has helped me get in touch with how God has made me and how God has made us. It has. It's helped a ton. It's helped our relationship. It's helped me get in touch with God himself in a far deeper way. Get in touch with other people on a relational level. And it's it's allowed me to learn to live life with my heart more fully engaged. When you cry over the loss of someone you love, or you cheer for your son at the state championships, the mind stands detached. We know what's happening around us. But it's with the heart that we experience and respond to life in all of its fullness. Can you imagine the joy of having a newborn child? Or seeing your kid run the, win the running titch, touchdown at the state championships. Seeing the Cardinals get to the World Series and actually win by one. Man, your heart, ah! You're just this ball of emotion. That's what we see at Bush Stadium. Just this ball of emotion. And God wants us to experience these emotions with Him. Now, some of you, that just went right over your head. And that's okay. It's gone over my head for many years. And I'm just now starting to understand that as I live life the way God designed me, I'm, I'm able to live life more fully alive. You see, in the very beginning, in the Garden of Eden, God created man in His image. And part of His image was that God is an emotional God, and God created us, guys, with emotion as well. One of the lies that we've believed, the church has taught this, the world has taught this, that we have to man up. We have to do the right thing. We have to be a man, which means push it down and, and be a rock. And when we do that, we begin to lose touch. There's so much of what God wants to do with us in our hearts and in our lives. We lose that. King David himself was able to fully experience his emotions. Open your Bible up to the very middle here. It's called the book of Psalms. Start reading some of those. (laughs) You'll see David is a very emotional guy. He was happy. He was sad. He was angry. He was able to express his emotions. He was able to experience his emotions. And God called him a man after what? God's own heart. We've come a long way from learning to live from our hearts. The heart is also the true dwelling place of our true beliefs. 
The heart is the dwelling place of what we really truly believe. It's not what we know. It's not what a man says that determines what he believes. It's how he lives his life. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, I believe, says, uh, I wrote it down here so I know it says this, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now, how many of you believe that verse? How many of you think I'm setting you up? Okay. I believe the verse. So it's Sunday morning. Let's say Monday morning, tomorrow. You walk in. Your boss says, you know, we've had to make some cutbacks. Basically, you're, we're letting you go. Don't have a job here anymore. Got 30 minutes to put the stuff from your uh, desk into this box, and you have to leave the building. It's happened to many people all over this country. So when you hear that, what starts to happen? Your forehead breaks out in little beads of sweat. Your heart starts beating a little bit faster. Your breathing is more labored. Do you know why that happens? I'll tell you why that happens. Because <laughs> your heart doesn't really believe what your head thought you did. There's a disconnect between what we think we know is true and what we truly believe is true. And so many of the ups and downs of life, the seeming catastrophes, what if, what if we were here by God's design? What if God is allowing this to bring our hearts and our heads into equilibrium so that we knew what we truly believed? It's not all just head knowledge. We're choosing to trust God with all of our heart, not leaning on my own understanding. I want us to turn last verse here to Romans chapter 10. Verse 9. Many of you have heard this verse before. I'm going to read it again. Paul is writing here and he says this. He says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you should be saved. So look at this verse. And according to this verse, where does saving faith come from? The what? The heart. Saving faith comes from the heart and not the head. You see, if we're to live life from our heart in any full sense of the word, it's because we start living with God from our heart. For the first 20 years of my life, I could tell you what the gospel was, but my heart didn't go there. And at some point, God was able to break through this old muscle called my heart and begin this process of change, rejuvenation. He brought life again to me. And I have shared this story over and over and over again. I can draw a little picture and help you understand what the gospel really is. About man is sinful and God is perfect. And Jesus came on the cross to die for our sins, to bring us into a relationship with him. And I can do it very well and very effectively. And I've done it. Tens and tens, almost hundreds of times. And I've personally prayed prayers with people who asked Jesus to come into their hearts. And for some of those, I've had to repent. 
Because what I did was convince your head of what the Bible said is true. I can't convince your heart. And I don't want you going along thinking, well, I prayed the little prayer in the back, or whatever it was I prayed, and now I'm good. It's my fire insurance. That's not what Christ came to do. That's not the relationship that God wants with you. Some of us here understand what I'm saying. You understand because you've believed with your heart and God has literally changed your life. Your values have changed. Your attitudes have changed. Your passion has changed. You're learning to more fully live with Christ in you. And some of you have heard those words, but you don't have a clue what I'm talking about here. And you may well be able to tell me what the gospel is. That's the difference between believing with your head and believing with your heart. If we're going to live life fully, the glory of God is man fully alive. We have to engage our hearts. And the place to start is with engaging our heart with Jesus Christ first. I want you to pray with me this morning. I want you to bow your heads. And I want you to close your eyes. I don't want you looking around because I want you to, to take a good look at your own heart this morning. And I need to ask you this question. Have you believed in Jesus Christ and His work on the cross with your head or with your heart? For many years it was, it was my, my head. I knew the gospel. My heart wasn't engaged. Where are you at this morning? Have you let down the walls in order to engage God with your heart? Are you willing to bring God the one thing he can't take for himself? And that is your heart. Are you willing to put your heart in your hands and engage God with your heart? I'm going to give you a minute or two this morning. I want you to do some business with the Lord here. Lord Jesus, I just confess that I'm I'm a broken person. Parts of my heart have been stolen. Part of it's been killed off. Part of it's been destroyed. Part of it I destroyed myself. And Lord, every day I look at this broken mess and I say, God, I don't even like myself. And then, Lord Jesus, you remind me that that's why you came. 
because you saw through all the ugliness, all the junk, all the sin. And you love me anyway. It's almost almost too good to believe. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, as I began to engage my heart, Lord, you became real to me for the first time in my life. You became real. this morning as we take a communion I want us to remember what God desires most from us is our heart not just on Sunday morning every minute of every day and communion is a reminder of what you did on the cross it's a time reflection of honesty and of thanksgiving And Lord, this morning, I I want to bring you my own heart. I thank you for who you are and what you've done. And Lord, communion was your idea, it wasn't mine. Lord, thank you for your overwhelming, unconditional, consistent, love for a broken person like me. Jesus asked us to do one thing. After he left, we call it the Lord's Supper, we call it communion. It's a reminder that his body was broken to redeem my brokenness. His blood was shed to redeem me, to save me from my sin. God went from my heart and it cost him everything to do that. And so this morning, I want to invite you to take communion with us. I want you to come down the center aisles here. I want you to take a piece of the bread dip it in the juice here and I want you to find a place that's not right next to somebody space yourselves out we have a little room here today and I want you to do business with God I want you to bring him your heart I want you to ask God what are you telling me this morning what are you saying to my heart today let God speak to you this morning I want to invite you guys to come forward.